Hello and welcome to the Property Management Show. I'm your host, Alex Osinenko. My day job is a CEO of 4.5, a marketing company that works exclusively with fee-based property management companies. I spent the last seven years of my life helping property management companies become more successful by improving sales, marketing, and operational efficiency. On this show, we'll deconstruct success into its key components and invite subject matter experts to help you improve every facet of your business. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy the show. So the topic today is how to scale a property management business through a pay-per-click or pay-per-lead method. So we'll explain that in just a moment, uh, but I do want to introduce my guest. He's, uh, in fact, uh, a co-host or a resident expert um, on anything to do with sales, but he's got a few more tricks up his sleeve, and um, specifically... um, this gentleman here, he uh, runs a company called Manage My Property, but I would, let, I would let him explain more details about it and kind of really ease us into what this, the whole paper lead world. Because personally, I've, we've been running pay-per-click, which is Google AdWords campaigns for our customers for years now, and we have lots of experience. Uh, but paper lead is where uh, my guest's expertise lies as well. So he is the CEO of Lead Simple. Um, his name is Jordan Mueller. Jordan, how are you today? I'm doing great, Alex. Thanks for the intro. And so, thanks, thanks for uh, joining for the show. Sorry to interrupt. So go ahead and kind of walk us through a little bit about the ManageMyProperty.com, what it does, what it stands for, and, and you know, what it's all about. Yeah, absolutely. So I got my start in the industry working for a venture-backed uh, homeowners association company way back in 2007. Uh, and then from that, we were we decided to eventually start a business that was selling leads. It's a pay-per-lead model, and that business is called Manage My Property. Ran that for a number of years, and then eventually started a second company that provides sales software called Lead Simple. Gotcha. So Manage My Property, that's exclusively for property management companies, right? Is it only residential uh, property management leads, or do you deal in other types of leads? That's 90% of it. There's a small portion where it's association, multifamily, but the vast majority is SFH. Gotcha. So for for myself, um, I see some consistencies with uh, companies being very, very successful with this pay-per-lead, pay-per-click strategy. And I see some companies... Um, let's say, being more reserved uh, uh, about going out there and buying leads. And I've actually created a list of five kind of common traits that make companies very, very successful with a pay-per-lead, pay-per-click model. And I've asked Jordan to put together his list. So we're going to go ahead and and compare our notes live here on the show and see if there are uh, what we could, can come out with on the other side. And hopefully our listeners can get an idea on if they're looking to buy, start to buy leads uh, or pay per lead, um, they'll fish out some good ideas from here. So why don't you open up, Jordan? What is the first first reason why people are successful with paper lead? So I think the first thing is the folks that understand what they're paying for. In general, within the paper lead space, there's a high volume of churn. Um, and what I mean by that is that there tends to be a 
smaller number of companies that stay with it are very dominant, have a really great strategy and excel. And then a lot of other companies that will come into the market, do it for a period of time and either determine that they can't afford it or it doesn't work, et cetera. And so that, you know, that, that disparity definitely does merit having some understanding. Um, but really, folks that are succeeding, they know what they're paying for. They understand this is an opportunity to make a sale, not guaranteed actual sales results. And this is nothing like getting referrals. For a lot of folks that are just getting started, many small businesses don't get past the referral stage. Referrals are fantastic. We want to optimize that, get as many as possible. But at the end of the day, that is not a push back in button lever or a mechanism to get leads on demand. And so when we want to scale the business, we've got to explore the scary world of paid marketing. Pay per lead is one of those options. Um, one, one thing to understand is how the bidding model works. Different companies have different models. Most have bidding models. Um, the bidding model is typically either going to be a first price or a second price auction. A first price auction is where you bid 10 bucks and you pay 10 bucks. A second price auction is where you bid $10 and you pay up to $10, but the system will manage your bid to keep it as low as possible while still, while still maintaining the best possible rank. Those are two pretty different systems. One is not better than the other. But with either of those systems, the thing to be aware of is that with a lot of paper lead services, we're talking about a paradigm where that lead is going to go to more than one vendor. You have a consumer going to a site, seeing a list of companies, considering who they would like to contact. And more often than not, just like we would be with any purchase you make, you want to talk to more than one company. This is a huge asset and investment. And so you're cognizant of the fact that it would be nice to get quotes from more than one company. Now, for some property managers, that either may come as a surprise or be somewhat disappointing as ideally you're wanting an exclusive lead, but that just isn't how it works. And that's really not the end of the world, but it does make it a little bit more competitive. And so how that relates to the, to the ranking that we mentioned before is that it may not necessarily be uh, the highest ROI to bid all, yourself all the way to the top of the list. Imagine that there's 10 companies in a list and the person um, any given consumer that contacts somebody on that list is most likely going to contact three, four, maybe up to five companies. If that is the case, if you're anywhere within the top four, you know, three spots, you're most likely going to get a high percentage of those leads without necessarily paying top dollars. So I think it's it's really healthy and makes a lot of sense to actively manage your your bidding strategy. Um, and just the last thing I would say on this point is that uh, a lot of folks will ask us, how well do leads convert? What is the conversion rate? And it's a real misnomer to think that there's any kind of universal stat that can be provided that is meaningful. Because the truth is, the range of conversion is in general somewhere between 5 and 40%. And with that kind of a range, you know, those numbers mean nothing. What, the, what that basically means is that it's up to you. It's how well you do with the leads. And a lot of folks that don't end up succeeding with pay-per-lead tend to feel like, oh, it was the lead, the lead source. It didn't work. It just it didn't convert well. But the truth is, commenting on whether or not pay-per-click, pay-per-lead, mailers, radio works requires having a sufficient sample set to actually judge and have an informed opinion about that. And on the whole... All of, the lead, all of the marketing channels that I just mentioned do work. It's a matter of having a good process and being able to actually efficiently close those leads. So that's what I would say out of the gate. Gotcha. So the pay-per-click works in a similar way, except 
it does not necessarily automatically, and that's not at all, goes to other competitors. So what happens is property managers would bid on a position on the Google page for a particular search. For example, Memphis Property Management, you know, you can bid a top spot, you know, let's say $5 per click, you get that click. Now from there, there's not a lead. A click goes to the landing page or to your website, and then you hope from there you earn a lead. Now that's, you know, you know, a consumer has a little bit of time to research and find out and read what you got, maybe watch a video, look at reviews, and then make a decision whether they want to contact the property manager. But essentially, it's a similar tactic in the way that it's paid for marketing. This is not a referral-based business. This is a you know, scalable solution. And I'd say number one reason why uh, our most successful customers make make it work uh, with pay-per-click is their understanding of unit economics. In other words, at the end of the day, if you're willing to pay $500 for a revenue uh, stream of 7000 over the lifetime. So the lifetime value of the customer can be 7000, can be 5000, can be 20000, right? Depending if it's a complex or if it's multiple properties, it's one house. But let's say the average lifetime value of your customer is $5000. And if you pay 500 to acquire that customer, you know, uh, uh, the unit economics work out quite well. But there's something to be said for um, you know, the difference here. There there, as you said, there are some companies that's been around. In fact, there's one in our building. Uh, they've been around since the 70s, and they've never advertised once. So from 1970, you know, this generational change, you know, the business is run by the sun now. You know, they're up to, like, say, 1,000 units. I don't know exactly. But I also have companies who've achieved 1,000 units in four years. Right, so that's that kind of a uh, how aggressive you want to get, or how uh, how much of a, a growth you're looking for, and that's why we're talking about scaling the business. This is really um, uh, not your sustainability strategy. This is not to you don't use paper lead to stay in business. You use paper lead or paper click to scale and grow and execute your marketing plans. So that's my number one. What do you got for number two, Jordan? Well, you know, before even moving on, I would just say at the end of the day, it's a lifestyle decision. Different companies have different goals. Some people are happy to keep it as a one-man show, as lean, as efficient as possible. And other, other people have significant growth ambitions. So it really is just, you know, your own personal goals uh, as a company. There's no value judgment either way, but you certainly have to be realistic uh, based on what your goals are. So the second point with Paper Lead on why we see some folks have radically better results uh, comes down to response time, meaning how long does it take for you to actually respond to a new inbound lead? And the thing to keep in mind with pay per lead is that the whole business model is you are charged per inquiry. And so to facilitate that, you cannot receive inbound phone calls, or at least you know nobody thus far is providing any inbound phone calls. So that lead that you're getting is coming in the form of an email. Maybe you're getting a text message as well. And then from there, it's up to you to respond. Um, and the reality is that if you ask folks, do they think that responding to leads is important? The answer is an unqualified yes. If you ask people, do they think that they, that they personally prioritize that? The answer is yes. If you had 100 property managers in a room, you asked them to raise hands, and based on which of them will respond on average within an hour, about 75 to 80% would raise their hand. So most property managers think they respond within an hour. 
that, you know, we were very happy to accept that assumption until I started running a business that was actually making money selling leads. And then we realized that for some folks, that's not necessarily the case. Let's track it. Let's find out. We actually did some research. We started tracking the leads that we were sending out, a subset of the leads. And what we found is that in aggregate, it was taking on average 39 hours for a property manager, your average property manager to respond to a new inbound lead. And they were making 1.6 call attempts. Those, as a lead provider, uh, that was not a pleasant stat to uncover. I can that, imagine. That had, that had dire consequences for our business model, and that's actually why we ended up transitioning to software. But uh, the, the other side of that is that less than, when we actually did a broader study than that, we actually realized that, uh, to get a little bit more precise, less than 6% of companies in any given market will respond to email leads by phone within the first 15 minutes. Um, and the reality is that companies that call within the first five minutes versus companies that are calling anytime after a half hour are on average going to be about 2,000% more effective at getting somebody on the phone. That's across the board. But when you look at it specifically with paper lead, you already know that that lead is getting sent to more than one company. You already know that these folks are aware of that, of this competition dynamic. So in my mind, it just makes no sense to be paying for these leads and not calling them immediately. Um, you know, so the other side of that is just to think about if you do do that right out of the gate, a lot of times when you're calling somebody immediately and you're having a good conversation, you're keeping them on the phone, keep them on the phone, keep talking. Eventually you should hear one of your competitors trying to beep in the background. That's typically a good sign. Yeah. So, so, yeah, just the way I think about it, to actually make this happen is that there has to be some kind of an actual process and ideally some technology involved. There has to be a formal lead distribution process, meaning if in-house you know that when a lead comes in, you look at it and you hand it out to one of two agents, that can't be a decision that you are cognitively making every time a lead comes in. That's just a recipe for disaster. If, if the logic, if the lead distribution logic is any more complicated than it going to you and you responding, you need to have some systems in place to distribute those leads. And secondarily, even if it is just you that's the primary salesperson, you need to have a backup person. Now, a lot of people will resist this and say, no, I'm the primary salesperson. I know how to represent my company, et cetera. That's fine. But at the end of the day, when that lead comes in from your pay for lead provider, if you are not available in a perfect world, every single time you are not available, your secretary, your admin person, whoever is calling that lead and saying, hi, I just want to let you know we got your contact. Thanks so much for reaching out. Dave is going to be calling you back shortly here, but I just wanted to say um, say hello and schedule a time to talk. You know, I, I'm, I'm not sure I agree with that. Okay, tell me why. And, and part of it, because we record hundreds, in fact, thousands of phone calls through our pay-per-click campaigns, right, through the call rail, because we want to monitor quality and make sure, you know, we, we can help our customers, you know, get, get real when it comes to selling and help them, you know, improve the sales process. So what, but what we hear time and time again is if the answering service or someone less competent gets to the lead first, um, it's it, it usually not a pleasant conversation because here's the thing. You think you get in the mind of a person that is calling for a property manager. What do, they, what do you think they have in their mind? There's a, probably a fire or there's a big need. They have specific questions. They're in the right 
frame uh, frame set of their mind, you know, they need answers to their question. They have very specific questions. A lot of times they get very deep into, you know, how, you know, what should I do with my bad tenants or or or, or you know, I have somebody uh, um, you know, doing inspection on the property right now. Are they allowed in? Or can, you know, there's all these other questions. So I feel like. It, it, it's tough. It's tough to have somebody less experienced reach out just for the sake of reach out. Do, do you not agree with that? Well, so I would say let's get a little bit more specific. The first thing is when I'm talking about responding, if we're talking about a call center, absolutely, that's very concerning. A call center that handles your business as well as plumbers, as well as attorneys, as well as you know construction companies, that that's just a recipe for disaster in general. Having somebody like that represent your business. What I'm talking about is somebody that works in your office where they have a very limited scope of response. This is not, hey, field all questions, have, you know, freewheeling, have a general conversation. The sole goal is to call this person, introduce yourself, say thanks for contacting us, and to schedule a time for the primary sales agent to have a call. Okay. And if this person is in your office, you know, they're gonna know if you're gonna be tied up for the next three hours. And, what, and the advice that I'm giving is specific to pay for lead. You can maybe fudge on this a bit more for an inbound call. It's a referral. It's a S, you know generated from SEO traffic off your website. But with pay per lead, it's so competitive. There's already three other people calling that lead that that's why it's really more of a do or die kind of proposition. Right. I got you. I got you. But but I think the consumer picks on merit, picks on experience, picks on how they're able to answer the questions. And even if the phone call potentially schedules another call, I feel like there's still the opportunity to connect is lost. Someone else will connect. That's why my number two, actually, Jordan, is besides getting back to the, to the leads fast, having a competent and dedicated sales team in place, ready to process uh, uh, process those phone calls. Specifically, I, I find people fall in a trap of, uh, oh, well, that salesperson is just sitting there. Why don't we make him do some owner reports? Or why don't we make him do some marketing for us? Why don't we make him do some blogs for us? Why don't we make him do this and that? And then you end up loading your salesperson with those low-value uh, tasks that you feel need to get done, and they just can't get to the phone at the right time. And then, uh, you know, we have all-around uh, uh, performance issues. So, or, or vice versa, right? Having the property manager field sales. Right. Oh, having property manager field sales. Don't get me started on this. I hear a lot of phone calls. And the property managers are excellent, and they do fantastic job managing properties. A lot of times, right. they're so emotionally invested in their accounts. Right. But once you, somebody new gets in, they're almost like a stranger that they don't want to talk to. I feel like these property managers, like they love their portfolio so much, they know everybody, and a stranger comes in, asks them about you know managing a property, and it's kind of a <laughs> the prospect I feel has to do as much selling as a property manager in that property manager's eye. Does that make sense? Yeah, I hear where you're, I hear where you're coming from. On yeah, that, sure. it is it is interesting. So it's a, but, it's a mental orientation in my mind. You know, at the end of the day, it's very difficult to fundamentally switch two completely different tasks. Task, task switching, it just comes with a price, no matter what the tasks are. Right, and, and the, the problem here is some smaller companies don't have opportunities to hire, or at least they don't think they have the opportunities to hire business development dedicated reps and sales reps. Um, but you know, in my, in my book, a, sales, a salesperson is an asset on oh, the balance ab- sheet. Absolutely, couldn't agree more. You know, the challenge, I hear this all the time, and the challenge is people asking, well, I want to buy a half a salesperson. 
I need a quarter of a salesperson, you know? yeah. And I, and I get that, and that's that that's that's challenging. I don't know, necessarily know that I have um, the answer there, but I totally I hear you. We might at some point. We might at some point. But uh, <laughs> let's uh, let's go ahead with uh, and and figure out the point number three. Like we are aligned on the second one for sure. So what's the third most important reason people are successful using pay per lead service in property management? It comes down to having a compelling offer. So when somebody is reading about your business within within a list, right within the context of a list of companies, you have to stand out. You have to put yourself in the shoes of the prospect and think about. I know, uh, you know, I, I'm I feel good about my services. I'm doing my best. But if I was in the shoes of a prospect, how would I be thinking about what is different about what we do? In what way are we going to stand out? And there's so many different dimensions on which on which, in which this can happen. But let me tell you where it's not going to be. It's not going to be we have the best service. We love our customers. We are number one in our market. Those phrases mean absolutely nothing. We hear it over and over and over again. But it's it's kind of like back in the day. Remember the original kind of when the internet was new. There were these banners on the sides of websites, and they were kind of annoying. You look at them. Then eventually, what happened? People developed what's called banner blindness. You just you literally can't see the things that are so familiar and similar anymore. It's the same thing with offers and advertising. And so the offers uh, come down to two things. There's the pricing offer, which is monetary, and then uh, there are risk type offers, which is basically a hedge against you bearing risk. There's crossover between the two. And there can also be content type offers. So with the pricing offer, this would be uh, anything from you saying there's one month free or that you give a a discount on the first three months or that you're going to reduce the fee, et cetera. The point here is not to necessarily nail down what works for your business. That's a question for you. But the point is that there is flexibility. There's a million million ways to slice and dice and move fees around. My recommendation is to always have something that you can give when necessary, to always have some kind of a price concession that is small, nominal, but allows people to feel like that they have gotten a deal and that ideally is not you reducing your overall fee because that is a long-term give that's going to weigh that's going to cost you a ton of money. So have some kind of a financial give that you can give on the front side if asked. Flat fee uh, management is is very popular right now. We're seeing a big trend towards that across the board. Again, can't say if that's right for your business, but it certainly is something to consider. Within the other categories, the offers related to risk, we see uh, tenant guarantees, eviction guarantees, et cetera. These are also becoming very popular. Of course, be careful. Do not call it insurance. You cannot provide tenant insurance or eviction insurance unless you actually can, which means that you know you have jumped through a ton of legal hoops, et cetera. So that's something to be careful for. But at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to is having compelling offers to stand out and to actually get people to hit submit. Gotcha. Well, so we're kind of aligned on all those elements because I think it's very similar. Pay-per-click, pay-per-lead is is similar uh, methodology for growing your business. And and so the success uh, elements are are similar. My number three is, by the way, I completely agree with yours. um, And I think this one kind of echoes it in a way. Um, You know, successful companies usually, not usually, always have 
stellar online reputation. Pay-per-click mm-hmm. is a little bit different. They get a chance to dig in a little bit, right? They get right. a chance to look at the reviews. And that's the job of your pay-per-click marketer is to make sure all those reviews, all those, all the goodness that is online, that is not what you said, but other people said about you, is presented on that landing page, a page where the person, the consumer goes when they click your ad, okay? That page needs to be, uh, uh, it needs to be specifically designed to convince them that you're the best. So I would say online reputation is number one within this realm. And the second is clearly and well-developed value propositions. So I don't necessarily think you have to uh, have a special, although that helps conversion. You're absolutely correct. But I've seen people do very well without them if they're, you know, if they're actual showing their Yelp and Google reviews mm-hmm. in multitude and right. they, and their actual real reviews when people read them and also clearly uh, establish value propositions. In other words, uh, when you go critically review your landing page, you know, the answer, why should I hire you? should be very clear, right? And if that answer is clear and the special offer is in place, you'll convert more than anyone else. Your cost per lead will go down significantly. Your cost, excuse me, cost per contract, right? Cost per lead and cost per contract. So um, that is that is my number three. So let's go, let's go and see, unless you have a... a yeah, so I would just say about that is that you're so right. Reputation is such a big deal, and we live in this strange era where now your reputation literally has a numerical assignment to it, right? What a, what a new paradigm we're in. But that is absolutely the way that it works. What I didn't mention was brand. I feel like brand is kind of beyond the scope of what we're talking about, but it's a very similar concept. In a perfect world, you have a fantastic brand. People see it, and they feel something. Now, that's much harder to do. It's beyond the scope of what we're talking about, but couldn't agree more the the intangibles matter so much yeah so brand actually emphasizes more stable you know in the company in the business with more resources um reputation actually can be earned within a year you know true with some hard work you know focus on customer I, i know some young companies that obsessively focus on customer experience and their competitors are just uh, just, just baffled of what's going on. Why this company all of a sudden is 800 units within three years? Well, um, you know, have you called them? Somebody actually picks up the phone, right? Every time, and 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 that is. But by the way, the old school of doing business is also picking up the phone, and that's great. Those old school companies, they do fantastic job if they don't, if he, if they don't uh, 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 move away from their principles, from their core values. Um, so we've seen those, but there's some in the middle who uh, put less emphasis on customer experience and more emphasis on you know everything else that matters less. And when the customer doesn't have a good experience in general, it's hard to get online reputation. You will be eaten up by bad reviews. This is the uh, the you know the time we live in. So it's it's tough to run a business, but it's not as tough to run a good business. Don't you agree? Uh, absolutely, yeah. The reputation thing you just talked about is such a, a such a big equalizer. You know, you could have a company that's been around for a hundred years, several million dollars in, in annual marketing budget, and their reputation could be you know half of a small upstart that's really aggressively paid attention to it. So, totally agree. Yep. So that's the ultimate equalizer. All right. So hit me with your number four. My number four is leveraging lead nurturing, and I want to kind of segue into this by talking about the lead refund policy with pay-per-lead providers. With pay-per-lead, with pay-per-click, what are you paying for? You're paying for leads 
you're paying for closed business ultimately. That's ultimately what you're paying for is closed business. If it doesn't result in closed business, you're going to stop paying for it. Right. Um, but with pay for lead, people are more attuned to the lead as being the deliverable as opposed to clicks, which is the case with pay per click. And so because of that, there's more of an expectation of the lead didn't work out or they said they already hired somebody else. It was no good asking for a refund. And a lot of pay per lead providers. Uh, have some kind of a lead refund policy. Some of them are are big sticklers. Uh, you know, the, the biggest paper lead provider out there, which is not which is not management property. Mm-hmm. All property management is definitely uh, has a they stand solid on their lead refund policy, and they're not they're not going to just refund every lead that doesn't work out for you. You have to accept that and understand that on the front side. But the reason this is relevant is because being on the side of it of seeing these lead, fund request, lead refund requests that come in and having that come right out of our bottom line, what do we do? We follow up. We follow up with the lead to figure out if they were contacted, were they happy, does this person exist, does this person, does the number, if I try and call them, go directly to um, a busy signal as was reported, et cetera. And in doing those follow-ups with a lot of the leads that are refunded, we oftentimes, we hear all kinds of things. One is, never called me. Nobody ever called me. I'm angry at you, uh, at, at your directory, because I submitted my information and nobody ever called me. Well, what does that mean? Well, they probably never did get a call, and sometimes people are just like, well, it's a couple of weeks later, nothing's going to happen, let me see if I can get a lead refund request or credit. Um, but the truth is that the average number of phone follow-ups that we see when we studied it was 1.6 follow-up attempts by phone. That is abysmal. That's, that's, that's terrible. There has to be a good follow-up process in place. And so when I say lead nurturing, I'm really talking about two things. I'm talking about having a clearly defined, written-down, documented follow-up policy. Not your, your best intentions, not shooting from the hip but something that's actually written down. And maybe you don't do it 100% of the time, but at least write it down and do your darndest to actually abide by that. That's going to allow you to formally define what good follow-up looks like and hopefully to some degree hold yourself accountable to it. That's in the short term. In the long term, meaning after 14 days, that initial 14-day window, that's what everybody is focused on. Every person that gets that lead from that paper lead provider is hounding that lead. They're salivating. They're ready to go to war within the first couple days. And then very quickly, the enthusiasm kind of dies down. And after two weeks, people just write these leads off, right? You paid for the lead. You bought it. It's yours. If you're keeping them and nurturing them over time, you're building an asset. But most people rather just take them and throw them right in the trash can. So after that initial 14-day window, there has to be an ongoing follow-up process. It's, uh, it's in large part going to be automated. It's going to be you sending out emails that are interesting, engaging, compelling, actually things that somebody would want to read. This is not you following up every month saying, would you like to buy now? Are you ready to buy? Etc. This is you educating consumers, providing value, providing some combination of information, education, entertainment, etc., and what I love about this is when you think about that monthly budget that you're spending on pay-per-click, you're spending on pay-per-lead, it goes out the door and then it is gone. Maybe it provided you some leads, maybe it didn't, hopefully it did, but it's done for. When you build and structure a lead nurturing process, it does cost money, but it's a one-time investment that you can amortize over the lifetime of that asset, which will, pay, which will provide dividends for years and years and years. So I can think of no higher... ROI than building a lead nurturing program in your business, and that will apply for pay per lead, pay per click, anywhere you're getting leads from. That's my number four. Wow, that's a, that's a pretty good one. So lead nurturing, of course, is something that 
four and a half and lead simple partnered on and and you know we're running this program and we have uh, just been seen it and just started i mean we have incredible feedback from from mutual clients of course but what we'll do is uh, in the interest of uh, the audience uh, we'll actually offer a free sales process book download in the notes of the show so folks can actually formalize their follow-up process and very very simple four-step sales process and the book does not sell it really just provides information so we'll give people access to it so i agree with you 100 percent lead nurturing is uh, you know it's that exact thing it's the asset that that pays out dividends and the longer you have it the more people you you have to opt in that listening or watching that are following you the more uh business you will close but no my number four is a little different actually this is where we deviate a bit because i i actually uh i actually feel that i see more and more companies being more successful with pay-per-click through um increasing their lifetime customer value so folks that have uh, complementary business units, uh, maintenance, construction. A lot of these, uh, you know, general contractor part of the business. So they want to rehab the house. They want to, you know, uh, 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 turn over the house between the rent rentals, and, and and they make a lot of money that way. Real estate sales, um, investor services. You know, kind of those are the complementary businesses that increase the lifetime value of the customer, thereby providing much more favorable unit economics. So these guys that can squeeze 20000 per customer in a lifetime versus seven are much uh, are, are higher bidders. They, they're willing to pay more per acquisition. So they will, um, you know, they're outshine the competition at any given day. So I feel that number four is, is complementary business units that allow you to make more money for uh, each contract. I couldn't agree more. I would, the thing I would say about that is it, another way to increase your lifetime value is to have a better process for getting referrals out of your clients, for generating, consistently getting reviews from your clients, um, and consistently also being aware of services that you can provide tenants as well. So there's a lot of opportunities there. And I couldn't agree more that the companies that we see really crushing it, aggressively bidding, are the ones that can name down to the dollar what their customer lifetime value is. They calculate it, they believe in it, and they bank on it. Gotcha. Perfect. All right. So let's see if we align on number five. What is the fifth most important reason for you, Jordan, uh, that you think uh, customers are being successful with paper lead strategy? It actually kind of segues back on the last thing I just said, and it is tracking. It is choosing to be disciplined and knowing um, what what's working and what's not. And at the end of the day, it comes down to, to just that. It is tracking. So when these leads are coming in from any given lead provider, first, do you know where they came from? With pay-per-lead, that's easy. With pay-per-click, if you are using a landing page, if you have a tracked phone number, that is easy. If you're not, A, you're making a big mistake, and B, uh, we just we can't know where these leads are coming from. And this one kills me. You know, did you have anything to say about this, Alex? Because I, I looked just recently. I mean, I've, I've known this historically, but I was looking for doing, doing a project related to some other content I was writing. I had a very hard time clicking through the search results and finding folks that are using landing pages Obviously, those landing pages convert, but it's huge for tracking. Why is this not more popular? Why do, why do more people not use landing pages? Uh, I, I can tell you why. Uh, you talk about property management specifically? or you? Yes, uh, yes. Okay. Uh, so, so a couple of things. There's, there, there's few misconceptions out there that 
um, it, it, you know, I think it's too expensive. Or, or you know, a company like Four and Half who focuses on property management. I mean, let's just face it: we can afford to give a price point that is significantly lower than any other company who does not understand property management business. So it's economies of scale for us. But it, it is the perception out there is it's too expensive to have a uh, uh, purpose-built landing page or like essentially purpose-built website for my pay-per-click campaign. But not only that, it's actually building the page, right? So, okay, like, oh, hey, I have a designer that can build my page. What do I put in it? Like all these conversion uh, um, uh, uh, optimization metrics and, and studies out there, you got to know what you're doing. You got to know how to write out your value propositions, how to put reviews in there. So essentially it comes down to, uh, um, you know, it's much easier to just not do it. Right. It's just much easier to uh, hope for the best. I'll send them to my website. Let's hope it converts. Um, it, you know, I found myself in that same in the same shoes uh, before in my previous businesses and my previous uh, experiences. You know, you default to the easy method. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm with you on this. Can I can I come up with my number five, or do you have some to add? I just have a little bit more to add there. So, I mean, fundamentally, this this is is flying blind and burying your head in the sand. Yep. And so, with that tracking, there's a couple of things that we want to be tracking. The first is how many leads came from this lead source. So, if we're not talking about paper lead, that means having landing pages, having track phone numbers, and asking call-ins, "How did you hear about us?" That is critical. Every person that calls in, you got to ask, "How did you hear about us?" And then on the backside, tracking your conversion rate. This is another another one of those numbers that people love to speculate on and hate to actually track. So I interact with folks on a regular basis that will say, oh, I'm closing 80% of my leads. And it's like, okay, well, that, that, that means you're not advertising, basically. There's no one that is doing paid advertising and is closing 80% of the leads that they're getting. It just isn't realistic. Best in the business, people are closing you know, around 40% when advertising at scale. You could close 80% of your referral. That's fantastic, but that's not really germane to what we're talking about. So tracking your conversion rate getting serious about tracking how which lead sources are working, which are not on a per lead basis, and tracking your follow-up process. This is so critical and so important that you track how quickly are we calling people back, how many follow-up attempts that we're making, and when things are breaking down, what's going wrong in terms of those elements. We have to have an activity-based model when we're talking about sales. We can't say that it's voodoo. We can't say that it's, it's skills from on high that some people have, some people don't. It's personality. It's all these things. It has to be an activity-based model where there can be accountability built into what we're doing, and all of that requires tracking and obviously, to do that, you need to be using some kind of a CRM system. You need to be using some technology that's going to allow that to happen without it requiring you to jump through a million hopes and basically be a glorified post-it note. That's that's what I got there. That's perfect, uh, perfect, Jordan. I agree with you 100%. I, I actually just mine is just amends yours a little bit. My number five, basically, why companies are successful with pay-per-click, pay-per-lead is, you know, these companies have a marketing plan. Um, and dedicated budget for portfolio expansion. Like these guys uh, um, are ready to accept scale and growth. Um, some companies dabble, right? They dabble in this and they're like, get a few leads and then it didn't work out for me. It's terrible. I tried pay-per-click five years ago and it was terrible, never worked for me. Well, right. there's so many elements. With, it's like I tried a car before and it was terrible, so I'll, ne- I'll never buy a car again because this was a big Cadillac, and I'll just I won't touch a car. Um, but, but you know, there's <laughs> there, there, there's such a variety of cars out there that that big Cadillac experience that you didn't like is it, not necessarily uh, 
you know, you know relevant to to what's out there today. So, um, but it like the companies besides uh, uh, having a system for tracking or a plan uh, um, in, for tracking things and actually you know uh, being able to. Uh, um, review their results and improve on their results and, and invest money in specific channels where they make the most ROI or return on investment, they actually have a plan in place. And when you ask these guys, how many properties do you want to get next year? It's like, uh, well, we're, we're actually setting up for about 150. Next year, we feel like we might get to 200, but I will accept 90. You know, here's all the things that we're doing to get there. Uh, people who are not as successful with pay-per-click they really don't have the vision of what they want to what, what they want to get at they're like well i'll be happy with 50 but maybe six you know they're not really they're unsure yet they haven't really put the plan together so i think that's a differentiator for me um from what i've seen absolutely yeah the question is is growth optional if growth is optional for you then you're going to get you know optional results if it's not optional then there's going to be accountability expectations and a real push and drive to make it happen Hey, uh, that was that was great, actually. So I, I appreciate all your wisdom, um, Jordan. You know, I'm looking forward to uh, have you on our uh, in future episodes as well. You and I have another good topic that we're going to discuss. Um, any parting words for our listeners? Uh, yeah. So you know, parting words are just to always test, experiment. Don't be content. Try new things. You know, always explore and see what works. I think there's so much room for expansion, so much potential for companies that are working smart um, and being persistent and willing to experiment. So it's exciting times to be growing a property management company in this industry right now, in my opinion. That indeed is correct, sir. I agree. Um, So, uh, well, let's go ahead and end it here. So, Jordan, uh, where can people find you if they want to go look up your company? If you want to look up some information about what we do, you can check out managemyproperty.com as well as leadsimple.com. Didn't mention leadsimple a whole lot, but it is sales CRM technology built specifically for property management companies. That's the main thing I'm working on right now. Love to hear from you. Excellent. So until next time, hope you enjoyed the show. Adios. Adios.